Okay, who's having what on their sandwiches? What do you want, Ethan? At the Point Chevalier home of Auckland family, Nick, Kathy and their children, 13-year-old twins Sally and Henrietta and 10-year-old Elsie, the weekday morning is in full swing and the girls are putting in their lunch order. We usually all have quite a similar um, lunch, but um, probably sandwich, fruit, biscuits. And if you have sandwiches, what goes on them? Probably peanut butter for me at the moment. I don't know why, but <laughs> uh, most of the time I actually have jam. I pretty much, I don't know, it's like a habit. <laughs> I've always had jam sandwiches. <laughs> the three girls head off to school with a lunchbox full of goodies to get them through the day. But other children are not so fortunate. I'm hungry. What would you like? A muesli bar? A fruit salad? At Otahuhu Primary, a South Auckland school with a roll of 500, the student health team gives out fruit bottles and muesli bars supplied by the Kids Can charity to hungry children. Up to 50 kids a day at the Desile One school are also supplied with more substantial meals at breakfast and lunch clubs that have been running for almost a decade. Principal Tamati Howard explains why. The children don't want to learn when their first needs are not met and the first needs are whether they are hungry or not. And we considered that um, if we took away the fact of them being hungry, we could then switch on to learning. And that's what we've done and we found that that does work. And we noticed that way back, some eight, nine years ago. The Kids Can Charity focuses its programme on meeting the needs of financially disadvantaged children. Its general manager, Julie Helson, says her charity is topping up 3,000 grumbly stomachs a week at 61 schools from Kaitaia to Invercargill. But that's only the tip of the iceberg, and she says there are many more children who turn up to school hungry because of a lack of food. Through the research that we've done in our schools, and we've um, we've taken um, a sample of about 125,000 kids, um, we estimate that about 15,000 kids a day are going to school hungry. Other estimates dwarf that figure. Public health specialist Rob Quigley looked at the latest Ministry of Health Children's Nutrition Survey and applied census figures to estimate the numbers who were not eating before school. He's come up with the alarming claim that 83,000 children a day, either through poverty or otherwise, are arriving at the school gate with empty stomachs. The 15,000 number is a a gross underestimation, that's for sure. I'm very confident with this number, and if anything, it's probably an underestimation because the Children's Nutrition Survey only goes up to the age of 15 and of course there's 16 to 18 year olds who also go to school um, and typically 16 to 18 year olds skip breakfast and uh, go to school hungry more than younger children. The government initially reacted to those figures by saying they were unsubstantiated but the Education Minister Steve Mahari concedes it's very difficult to know the true numbers. He does say, however, that 84% of children do get breakfast and the problem is diminishing. Decreasing. That's the point that we were making all the way through. At the beginning of this debate, we were accused of saying there was no problem. That's not the point we've been making. The point we've been making is it's decreasing, and that's an important point to make because people do have to have a sense that things can get better. The varying estimates hit the headlines amid National Party leader John Key's underclass speech. We should not be afraid to drive down certain streets, to send ambulance officers into certain houses, and to take our kids to certain schools. 
John Key went on to proclaim that an empty stomach and an empty lunchbox sets kids up for an empty life, and he challenged the business community to work with his party to provide food for children in need at low decile schools. But this attempted initiative seems to have been poorly targeted. For one thing, the problem does not appear to be isolated to lower socioeconomic groups. Julie Helson from Kids Can. The school that, that we have that needs the most assistance is a decile 5 school situated just out of Rotorua. That school has about 62 children and all of those children need the food programme. And it appears the problem is not rampant in all lower decile schools either. John Key launched National's Food in Schools programme by saying the party had gained the support of Auckland business Tasty Products to offer free breakfast to pupils at South Auckland's Wesley Primary. But the offer was turned down by the principal of the Decile One school, who stated there was in fact no need for it. The Education Minister Steve Mahari labelled National's move Tory charity. Matching businesses to schools is something that already happens. Uh, the New Zealand uh, Business Foundation and so on work with the, the government and they do a great job. And of course what the National Party discovered was those programmes that are already in place, being well run. And I think really that's what people are, were a little bit taken aback, including me, by. Uh, the notion that people like John Key didn't know about any of this and just thought you know, driving around to the local school and making an assumption about them was an OK thing to do. I call that Tory charity. Stephanie Thompson, the principal of Aorangi School, a decile three school in Christchurch, which boasts John Key as a former pupil, says hungry children are good fodder for politicians. Politically it sounds good to say that there are a lot of hungry children in, in the country and I won't deny that for some students that will be an issue every morning when they get up, that maybe there are hungry children because of poverty. But it's much, much deeper than that and if you're ever going to do something you should do it right and it's about looking at the whole issue, not just chunks of it that suit anyone's agenda. I met John Key in the playground of South Auckland's Manurewa East School to talk about the problem. The national leader's been referred to as father of the nation for highlighting the issue, but both major parties have also been accused of playing political football with hungry schoolchildren. However, Mr Key says he was raising a serious issue. I have very high aspirations for New Zealand and I think New Zealanders have high aspirations for their country and we won't achieve that unless we're actually prepared to tackle some really difficult issues and have an honest and open debate about it. And if getting up front and saying, hey, there are elements of our communities that aren't working where we need to make change so that our country can go forward in a way which is better is uh, playing political football, then I'm going to plead guilty of that because I intend to keep challenging the issues and intend to try and expand the horizons. The debate Mr Key is keen to open up has to consider the many layers of this complex issue. Here at Manurewa East School in South Auckland there is no breakfast programme, no lunch programme and occasionally children do show up hungry. Principal Phil Palfrey is with me. Phil, how big is this hungry children problem? I wouldn't like to say that there's a whole lot of starving children in our school and I would have to be as bold as to say that I don't think there are in any other school. I think parents need to make better choices as to what they're giving their children and some of them just need to stop giving their children so much food. So there's a whole, a whole lot of issues, although I do acknowledge that some people really struggle but a lot of our parents I know, they will put food first before they put the drink and the, and the cigarettes.
and I think if they do that, they're on the right track. During playtime, I spoke to several children, all of whom had full lunchboxes. Sandwiches, chips, yogurt, carrot sticks, sandwiches, bananas, hummus, crackers, cheese, um, biscuits, sandwiches, fruit. And do you know whether um, many children come to school hungry? If they do, they go to the office and get a sandwich and fruit and... Yeah, heaps of people sometimes come without lunches or they get stolen. When people um, come to school without lunch, um, sometimes they normally don't have any breakfast as well and they complain to other kids as well. Phil Palfrey says there's no need for a breakfast or lunch programme at his school, but breads and spreads are on hand to feed children who turn up without lunch. He says there are about five or six instances of that happening a week for a wide range of reasons. We investigate it. We don't just say, right, you know, you're a charity case and we're going to feed you. We ring up the parents or we talk to the other their siblings here at school and the siblings sometimes just say, oh, well, I'm the oldest and I was meant to divvy it out and I kind of forgot and ate too much or something like that. Or the children just simply um, eat it at morning tea or they eat it on the way to school or they're saving it for after school. So how much is poverty at play here? The 1997 National Nutrition Survey by the Ministry of Health showed the variety of food in 27% of households is limited due to a lack of money and in 14% of households food runs out because dollars do. Kids Can's Julie Helson says for some people it is definitely a case of there being more month than money. I hear a lot of people say to me, oh, they're just spending it down the TAB or they're, they're smoking cigarettes or they're doing this and they're doing that. Um, that may be, well be the case in, in, in some um, areas, but the majority of children that we deal with and we see, they come from loving homes where the parents want to do the best that they can for them, but once they've paid the power, the rent, all of those things that continue to add up, sometimes they get to the end of their week or their fortnight and there just isn't enough money to provide for everyone in the family. The Federation of Family Budgeting Services says food is a significant part of a household's budget and is often the first to be eroded when times get tough. Its chief executive, Raywin Fox, explains. After your rent, it's one of the biggest single items normally in the budget, but it's also one that people see as discretionary. You have to pay your rent, you have to pay your power, you have to pay your phone, all those kinds of things. But when you need to find some money for a bill that's a bit extra this month or a bit overdue, the food budget's the only place you can pinch that money from, so it's the one that most frequently gets dipped into. Ms Fox says $25 should be ample to feed one child breakfast and lunch for a week. But she says when parents are under pressure, they often don't make the right choices about what they spend their money on. I had a family once that I was dealing with. This family had five children and both parents were working really hard to pay their mortgage and make ends meet and they were finding they didn't have enough money for food and they were giving the children just $5 a day to buy their lunch. And so we sat down with a piece of paper and said, okay, that's you know, $125 a week. And they said, no, 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 we're not spending $125 a week on school lunches. That, that's crazy. That's nearly as much as our whole food budget. And when they saw the figures down on a piece of paper and realised that for that money they could buy some bread and some lunch and sausage and some apples and biscuits, they were absolutely horrified. 
Raymond Fox says the problem is also a result of parents being time poor, but she says this too stems from poverty, as both parents are forced to work to make ends meet. Back in the bustling Point Chevalier household, Nick and Kathy are busily preparing school lunches. They can see how some parents might get so stressed out, children could end up being sent to school with no lunch. On a bad morning, we're only half a step away from chaos and, and kids might not get fed. And um, this is a household with two parents and it's a reasonably functional kind of family. There could be some domestic situations where kids could very easily go out the door without something to eat. You touched before on the fact that it's least costly for you to prepare lunches at home rather than ship them off to school with a bit of lunch money. How costly is it to feed three children lunch and breakfast every day? Lunch and breakfast are some of the cheaper meals of the day, really. I think dinner's the most expensive, really. If you, once you're buying meat, bread and fruit is not is the cheaper part of the food to buy. Yeah, yeah. So it's not unaffordable? It would be unaffordable if we were paying for takeaways every day for school lunches, that's mm. for sure. But I, I, we had an Englishman here the other day who said that his wife used to teach in South Auckland several years ago, and she was shocked at the poverty. They were saying that, you know, at least in England, the kids would get a free lunch. What I'm trying to do today is show the kids what is in their nuggets, unless they're getting good ones. These are the kids that won't eat my chicken. British kids may get free lunches, but high-profile chef Jamie Oliver has been waging war against unhealthy school dinners in an effort to see junk food banned from the menu. Education Minister Steve Mahari says there's no desire to introduce sit-down meals in the vein of the British system here. But John Key says providing lunch at school would mean there's no question as to whether the midday meal's been eaten or not. The counter of that is it's a huge commitment from schools. It would take a lot of reorganisation. Many of them wouldn't necessarily want to go there and then you've got to worry about the quality of the food that they get. I think that it's something that we could talk about in certain schools and it might be something that we decide, hey, you know, that's a good response and it works. New Zealand schools have also faced pressure to improve the food they offer in tuck shops. In some cases, the extra cheesy mince pie has vanished from the menu, replaced by healthier options such as sushi. The Post-Primary Teachers Association president Robin Duff says at secondary schools there have always been instances of pupils arriving with no breakfast or lunch. But he says learning is also affected when students consume the wrong foods. We do get uh, schools uh, expressing concern about the performance of their students, particularly in class, and sometimes their classroom behaviour related to foods that they have seen consumed. And these are usually related more specifically, I think, to what we would refer to the junk foods and particularly the beverages with the high sugar content. Wind back the clock some 70 years and New Zealand's Milk and Schools program was at its inception. It saw monitors hand out bottles of the liquid to help children who'd become undernourished during the Depression. The scheme began in 1937 and was scrapped about three decades later. There is now a Fruit in Schools program which gives children at high-need primary schools a free piece of fruit each day. But there appears to be a much greater need. After the issue was highlighted last month, the Kids Can charity was inundated by letters from schools from all over the country. 
From a school roll of about 450 to 500, we would have about 20 to 30 children without lunch on most days. The system you operate seems to be avoiding all the difficulties. Myself, I've found myself discreetly supplying lunches at my own expense. I'm very passionate about children having the resources around them to encourage learning and foster positives, but have found such basics as happy tummies and keeping warm barriers at present. I was wanting to know children at our school. For a number of our families, money is a real issue, and it's unfortunate that at times it's the children who miss out. Some of our families are embarrassed to send their children to school without any food, so keep the children at home. We do have families where a small snack-sized bag of chips constitutes lunch for a child. A number of our children do come to school without eating breakfast. The charity's general manager, Julie Helson, says many people have probably not been aware of the extent of the problem. I think a lot of New Zealanders don't realise that situations like this occur literally on their back doorstep. And I think as New Zealanders we all have a responsibility to ensure that our kids, um, our future leaders, um, business people, you know, whatever they want to grow up to be, are getting to school in a position to learn uh, with full tummies. National Party leader John Key says he's been overwhelmed with offers of assistance from private enterprises and he's now putting companies such as Tasty Products in touch with organisations they can help. Tasty Products West Auckland factory will churn out 100,000 muesli bars for kids can to distribute in schools. Tasty's offer was originally criticised as the bars were deemed as being too high in sugar the company's marketing director, Adrian Cook. One of the things that people get a little bit hung up on with muesli bars is that they're high in sugar and fat. Um, Yet if you're putting dried fruit and nuts into products, your, your products are going to be naturally high in sugars and fats. And when it comes to snacks, very much where muesli bars sit is as a healthier alternative to to some of the other snacks that are out there. You know, the chippies, chocolate bars, uh, the sausage rolls. He explains why private enterprise is getting involved. We are always looking for good staff. We need educated staff. We need healthy staff. So we have a vested interest in making sure that the education system is working the way it should and that uh, children are coming through and becoming uh, educated, healthy adults that one day may work in our factories. Because of the sponsorship offers it's received, KidsCan is now looking to double the number of children it feeds from 3,000 to 6,000 per week. But considering this issue is thought to affect tens of thousands of children each week, it's clear this programme alone is not solely going to rectify the problem. There are a range of other programs operating throughout the country to address the apparently dwindling number of New Zealand's Wheat Bix kids. Oh, I don't like toast. I do. Children are busy making toast in the brunch program run at Christchurch's Old Angie Primary, which relies on donations from families and staff. Principal Stephanie Thompson says the concept is much deeper than solely dealing with hungry children and teaches pupils about manners and healthy eating options. We would love to be able to 
implement this throughout the whole school into in its varying forms, but we are restricted by funding because that's a bit of an issue. So at the moment we're relying on the odd donation here and there, and I'm pretty sure some of my teachers are bringing food from home, and um, I don't know that that's necessarily appropriate. She believes there's no single issue that results in children coming to school without breakfast or lunch. Sometimes it's to do with time and how much time you have in your family. I know some of our students come to school without having breakfast because they just they get up too late or um, they've had too late a night the night before or the family's running really late to get to work. I think in some families you'll find it's back to those siblings making lunches for the younger siblings and again if it's a choice between making a nice big fat sandwich or grabbing something quick and pre-packaged then that's what you'll do. Another attempt at addressing the problem has been a pilot program initiated by the Red Cross, which joined forces with Countdown Supermarket to supply breakfast to two South Auckland schools. They fed about 60 children a day. The acting director of the Red Cross, Graham Wrigley, says the organisation is planning a nationwide rollout as long as it can get Countdown, which provides cereal, bread, spreads and a hot drink, to agree. We have been in discussions with them for quite some time and they are ongoing at the moment and and we're getting very close to uh, looking at an agreement which we hope will be signed in due course. But we have to work through how we're going to roll it out. It has to be uh, managed properly and professionally. They have to know what it's in what's in it for them in terms of what is required of them. While national leader John Key believes private enterprise can and should be involved in addressing this problem, the Post Primary Teachers Association is more sceptical. Its president, Robin Duff, says private philanthropy alone won't solve the problem and will not do so consistently or fairly. The fear of allowing private businesses to come into individual schools is that they will in fact have the effect of picking and choosing where they go and if it is acknowledged that there is a significant problem uh, there or increasing then it really needs to be monitored nationally rather than just by the you know the whims of individual businesses and individual areas. Some lower decile schools have social workers on hand who can assist families whose children repeatedly turn up to school hungry but public health specialist Rob Quigley says food and nutritional problems which cause over nine thousand deaths a year can start much earlier. You have children who turn up into our hospitals with um, no teeth because they've been fed sweetened tea and um, uh, soft drinks from an early age. Uh, you have children who fail to thrive. You have children with um, iron deficiency anemia. So there's no doubt that the kids aren't turning five and then suddenly getting these nutritional issues. They've been there for probably most of their lives. So if these problems start before school, does that mean we need interventions earlier than primary school? We need interventions all over the show. It's a bit like um, trying to uh, to win a war, really. You're not going to win it with a single battle in a single setting. So schools are a great setting, there's no doubt about that, and I'm sure the teachers are probably feeling a little bit under siege themselves. But they need to uh, understand that the Ministry of Education, the Ministry of Health, SPARC, and uh, Ministry of Youth Development are, are tackling a number of settings. So we're We're interested in retailers, we're interested in homes and parents and families, we're interested in workplaces, we're interested in the wider community. He says a child's habits also tend to track through into their adult life and can spark major health problems. If you skip breakfast, for example, the child is much more likely 
to be overweight and obese later in life. We also know that the child is much more likely to have lower intakes of vitamins and minerals and we have um, several um, studies including the Children's Nutrition Survey showing that children in New Zealand are malnourished. Many of them are overweight but even the overweight ones have low iron intakes, low calcium intakes, low selenium intakes, low iodine intakes. The Education Minister, Steve Mahari, outlines what's being done at a governmental level. wide range of programmes, of course. Some of them are in schools, like the Fruit and Schools programme, which is now widespread around the country and will carry on, on growing. Uh, the Working for Families package to make sure there's money in the house. So it's, it's a range of policies. Nothing can be done simply by focusing, say, on a school or working for families or on, on uh, market rents or building state houses. It's those, all of those policies together which hopefully add up to, to families seeing their circumstances improve, breakfast on the table and children going to school well-fed as they ought to be. Steve Mahari says since coming into power, the government's made huge improvements to poverty statistics. A study by three New Zealand universities shows Pacific Island and Māori children were significantly more likely to skip meals than other ethnicities. They were also more likely to buy some or most of the food they consume at school from the tuck shop or dairy. The Māori Party's education spokesperson, Te Ururoa Flavel, says although Māori are disproportionately represented in such figures, poverty can hit anyone. He is championing a cross-party approach to address the problem. At the end of the day, if we're thinking about the interests of the students, of the young children of this country, that we actually have to take those political hats off and come up with some solid ways about making some inroads and, and addressing the issue. And that's what we've been saying all along with a number of the key issues around poverty. And we like to thank our customers with regular cash rewards. So if you're looking for a low-cost loan to clear your debts... or to buy The, the Federation of Family Budgeting Services also has a suggestion. Its chief executive, Raywin Fox, blames credit for sucking families' money dry. I've seen many families over the years that have got, after their rent, 80 or 90% of their income actually committed to higher purchase and loans. I've seen people with commitments on higher purchases and loans to more than their actual income. And you've got to question the responsibility of people lending them that money. Ms Fox believes the government needs to put in place legislation to protect low-income families. And the advertising industry is also under assault. The PPTA says many young people follow trends. And if some unhealthy foods are marketed as fashion symbols, it's harder to dissuade people from consuming them. Public health specialist Rob Quigley agrees and says self-regulation of the advertising industry is not working. He says regulations need to be introduced, particularly where children are concerned. Advertising is one of the main targets, I believe, intervention targets that we have to look at to improve food and nutrition in New Zealand. It's a no-brainer as far as I can see. As for the gaps in research and exactly why children are going to school hungry, it appears an upcoming study will attempt to fill the void. The Health Research Council and Ministry of Health are wanting to look at the environmental factors that influence food security in Māori, Pacific and low-income families. The research also aims to identify how these factors might be modified to improve conditions.